everybody. This is Chris. And Kathy. We wanted to take a minute to thank you all for tuning in. We appreciate every listener and are grateful for this platform. Please help us share our vision by subscribing to our show through your favorite streaming app. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube at Petability Podcast. Check out our ever-growing list of affiliates and sponsors. Simply go to the show notes for information and links. And be sure to use our promo code PETPOD22, that's P-E-T-P-O-D-2-2, on checkout to receive your discount from our affiliates. And now, here's a word from our sponsor. Hi, I'm Alon Landa, CEO of MedcoVet, and I'm a proud sponsor of Petability. We decided to partner with Chris and Kathy because, like them, we want to empower all pet owners who are trying to do the most for their pets. At MedcoVet, we specialize in advanced home laser therapy for pets. Laser therapy is a safe and effective treatment for common conditions like arthritis and wounds, and it relieves pain for most conditions caused by inflammation. With MedcoVet, pet owners can perform this treatment at home while receiving support from experienced clinicians. If you think your pet would benefit from healing at home, visit MedcoVet.com, and one of our clinical experts will work with you to determine if home laser therapy is the right fit for you and your pet. Tell them PetAbility sent you. Welcome to PetAbility. I'm your host, Kathy Simons. And I'm your host, Chris Cranston. Our podcast provides interviews and information to help your pets live their best lives. Hey, everybody. Today, we are here with a very special guest, Dr. Beth Ennis of Sleepy Dog Veterinary. Welcome to the show. Please tell us a bit about yourself. Thank you, Chris and Kathy. Um, I'm glad to be here. Uh, I am a small animal veterinarian, and I concentrate on um, animal acupuncture, chiropractic, herbal medicine, and nutrition. I have a small clinic here in Arlington, Massachusetts. Awesome. I was about to ask you about all those initials behind your name. Seems like you are a lover of learning. I am. I love it. And usually in our field, one class, one um, expertise then leads to another. So there's always something new to learn. Great. The topic of our show today is holistic veterinary medicine. Can you please tell us what that means to you? Yes. Um, holistic medicine, I would say the, the probably definition of the word has more to do with treating the individual, in my case, the animal as a whole. Um, so it really means the same thing as integrative medicine, meaning that you use all different ways of approaching, diagnosing, and treating the animal for the best possible outcome. I think in our society, we use it more synonymously with uh, alternative medicine. And so it kind of depends on who you're talking to and what you're talking about, um, which way it's being used. For me, I consider myself integrative in nature because I am a veterinarian trained by conventional medicine. Um, but I use my alternative medicine um, more as an adjunct to um, my colleagues who are doing conventional medicine for my patients. Dr. Innes, can you tell us 
who is a good candidate for treatment with holistic medicine? I mean, can we treat, can everybody be treated with holistic medicine? Dogs, cats, birds, guinea pigs? Yes. The answer is yes. All those guys. Um, I personally see dogs and cats in my practice, but um, holistic medicine or alternative medicine can apply to any animal that um, a veterinarian would see for anything. So it's also very popular in horses. It's used in livestock like cattle and um, sheep and other guys like that, goats sometimes. It can be used for the pocket pets like guinea pigs and um, ferrets. It can also be used with slight modifications for reptiles and birds. So anyone can benefit um, if you're creative. How can we tell when we integrate acupuncture and chiropractic into traditional veterinary medicine if it's working? How do we know? What are we looking for? Um, and how do we know if our pets are benefiting? So it depends. Um, you can approach it in a scientific way and say, I'm going to change one variable or add one treatment at a time. So for instance, let's say a dog comes in who's a senior dog who's coming in for arthritis um, and is on, you know, a slew of uh, more conventional medicines um, and treatments, and then we might add in the acupuncture to start with and see what improvements we see. We usually, when someone comes to me, I say, just tell me anything you notice and we'll track things over time. Um, acupuncture in particular can take a little bit um, of time to show it's like, extreme effects um, or its ultimate effects, but um, what we're looking for are changes in energy level, um, ability to maybe negotiate stairs, jump up on the couch, um, jump up on the bed, maybe surf the counter a little bit, um, things like that. But usually what I tell people is the list of things that you came in to me with that your pet is not able to do is the list of things that we're going to want to see improvements with. There are times, however, where we can't be a scientist in that way and someone is really hurting and we want to add in all the things that could potentially benefit them. And in that case, I use all my modalities and pile them all up and give them the benefit of all those things. And then once they're feeling better, then I take them away one by one. And then that way I can see which thing is helping. It also depends on the temperament of the person. So if the client or the dog mom or dad or the cat mom or dad is um, really wants to prove that each thing is a benefit, then we're going to want to add things slowly rather than add a bunch and take things away. That is an excellent explanation. It makes total sense. One thing that I wanted to ask you from a personal point of view is uh, what made you go into this direction professionally? You said that you come from a traditional or conventional veterinary background. I know you are a graduate of Tufts Veterinary Program. So uh, can you tell us a little bit about your career path and what brought you here? Yeah, um, I went into veterinary school um, at Tufts thinking that I actually wanted to go into livestock medicine. Um, so I thought that I wanted to be a farm vet. And when I got there, I still had those aspirations and I thought that would be a really neat way to spend my career. However, I, on a whim, um, spent some time with an alternative medicine practitioner um, and it happened to fit in my schedule and I was like, 
that sounds interesting. And that's about how much thought I put into it. And then I started to notice that when I spent time with him, he had all these awesome, awesome patients and all these great loving people that came with them. And I think because they were open to alternative medicine, they tended to be open people in general. Um, and I just really fell in love with their relationship with their pet. Um, and so I basically just kept spending time with him during veterinary school. Um, and when I graduated, I had decided that not only did I want to go into small animal medicine, but I wanted to focus ultimately after a time on alternative medicine. And um, my mentor, who, who that veterinarian became, told me, you got to wait a year. Don't go right into it. You have to do some general practice first. So I did that. And then I started getting my training in alternative medicine, I started with acupuncture. Um, and I did emergency work and I did general practice and I did that for probably about eight or 10 years before I um, took the plunge and committed all the way to alternative medicine. In rehab, since this has been um, my specialty for quite some time now, I, I often find that owners refer themselves to rehab um, because their veterinarians have told them that their dog is simply too old for physical therapy, um, when indeed they may very well be the best candidates for this kind of service. Are there any myths that you can dispel about the use of alternative medicines such as acupuncture or chiropractic? And secondly, what are the most common types of problems that you see? Okay. Um, I'll tackle the myths first. Um, so I would say when I first started in practice, um, people would often, other veterinarians would often send me patients and they would say things like, well, it's not going to hurt anything. And so they didn't have a lot of confidence that alternative medicine might turn things around or really improve the quality of life of my patients. Um, but they were willing to do it because they didn't see any harm in it. Um, and in some ways, that's what built my practice because that was, there were a lot of cases where I could do a lot to help them feel better. Um, and in some ways that was frustrating because I got some um, cases that were really, I wish that I had gotten earlier. In fact, my husband used to call me Dr. Kitchen Sink because I was like the kitchen sink being thrown at everything. Um, but I also think that, um, so I would say when it comes to acupuncture, a lot of people think that it's based on a placebo effect. That's often a question I get is how can we tell? Um, and for me, my answer is generally like, well, he can either go up the stairs or he cannot go up the stairs. It's pretty cut and dry. Um, and so I, I think that animals are a good example of how the placebo effect is um, not the complete um, definition or, or um, result of acupuncture. Um, other things that people ask me about chiropractic are if it's going to do damage um, and do I want to do any uh, manipulation of the spine and could I make things worse. And people, there's this, um, I think, probably misconception with um, chiropractics causing things like strokes if used inappropriately in the neck. And that's really, really uncommon. Um, and I remember learning something about it's less common than being struck by lightning or something like that. Um, so I feel like 
chiropractic, it's more like a let's not do that because it might be harmful to the spine. When I do chiropractic, the training that I have, it's very gentle. There's no cracks. There's no big movements, um, but it's helping to move the fluid around break down little adhesions that have formed between the um, spinal vertebrae um, and it can be very relaxing for pets. Um, I think other myths are my pet is never going to sit still for this stuff. And um, because acupuncture and, and also chiropractic can release um, some natural endorphins in the brain, not only will they sit still, but sometimes they'll take a little snooze. Um, also, I feel like because it is gentle, because they often feel better after they um, have had treatment, and because we try to do things the same way each time to kind of build a routine to it, I think that animals adjust really well to getting the treatments. Also, at my clinic, try to make it as cozy as possible and as unclinical as possible so we don't have, um, you know, dogs and cats worrying about what's coming next behind that door. Does that make sense? Totally. I think that speaks to the very definition of holistic medicine, which I looked up in preparation for our interview. For the longest time, even as a PT for people, I thought that holistic was spelled W-H-O-L-I-S-T-I-C. But uh, the, the definition really does encompass that because you're treating the whole being, whether it's an animal or a person. You mentioned making it as cozy and stress-free as possible. I saw that there are five aspects of holistic health. Not only the physical, but also the social, emotional, spiritual, and mental. We might have some troubles thinking about the spiritual in the life of a pet, but I think all of those things are factored into the kinds of treatments that you provide. And on that note, are there things that we might not think of that benefit from your care? Uh, some less common diagnoses that people come to you to see for alternative medicine help? Yes, actually, in that kind of piggybacks onto Kathy's question in terms of what are the things that I see the most. Um, when I started in practice, I saw almost exclusively painful conditions, so arthritis and neck and back pain. Um, and so I dealt a lot with physical pain, and that was really rewarding in terms of what I could do to help. Um, as I came along in practice, I, I noticed that I started to see more um, kind of different inflammatory processes like inflammatory bowel disease and asthma, um, skin problems like different skin allergies, um, things like that that were a little bit less in the spotlight um, in, in veterinary medicine for alternative care. Um, I also now see a lot of cancer cases. Um, and I also see a lot of behavioral cases. So that's where I get into the, um, we've moved from physical pain to kind of visceral or like internal organ kind of distress and pain or inflammation. And now it's into like a mental anguish or anxiety. Um, when dogs are elderly and they get or cats for that matter and they get some forms of senility I can come in and help with some of those things um, as well as some of my um, colleagues in terms of Chris you with your PT um, my nurse Sam does a lot of Reiki which can be really helpful for those things so as I've gone along I've gotten to expand into different um, 
types of patients and help with different types of pain or challenges. I find that fascinating that you can help dogs with their anxiety. Can you please explain to the pet owners out there how using acupuncture needles works to decrease anxiety or if that even is what you would choose first? Sometimes I choose it first. Other times I will start with some herbal remedies um, and that may make a difference as well um, or different therapies. If I think that the animal can tolerate needles after I've kind of gotten to know them well, then I will use them. Um, sometimes I will use little injections and acupuncture points so they don't have to sit still if that's a challenge for them. Um, sometimes I'll use my cold laser to stimulate the acupuncture points if it's something that I think they can tolerate the touch but not for too long. Um, so, Dr. Ennis, are you saying that there are acupuncture points to actually address anxiety? There are, yes. Um, there are many different points in the body. We look at it from a slightly different paradigm with acupuncture medicine, which comes from Chinese medicine. Um, so in Chinese medicine, the heart and the pericardium, the um, connective tissue that surrounds the heart, is looked at as like kind of the center of the spirit. So it's interesting that you brought up the spiritual part of medicine. So if, you're, if your heart is disturbed or clouded, um, that's considered like a Shen disturbance in um, acupuncture medicine. Um, and so there are different points on the heart and the pericardium meridian, which is the channel that kind of is in charge of those parts of our system. Um, so yes, there are specific points that help with anxiety. There's also different conditions that make us more prone to anxiety. So often an acupuncturist will find over time those conditions and treat those underlying parts and it will end up helping with anxiety in the long run. Um, so yes. So going back to earlier when you were saying that you are treating many dogs with cancer, I can see how alternative medicine could make a perfect marriage for a dog that has cancer and their traditional treatments such as chemotherapy or, or radiation, um, that your services could be a wonderful adjunct to traditional treatment. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and actually some of the best studies are um, related to acupuncture helping to reduce the side effects that come with chemotherapy in people. Um, and that's kind of an interesting thing. So I do see a lot of patients who do get um, more conventional cancer treatments like chemotherapy, surgery, radiation. Um, I also see a fair number of patients who their people have decided that those um, are not going to work for them for whatever reason due to age or finances or um, kind of values and beliefs, um, and we can use both medicines from the conventional medicine world, like pain medicines and different things like that, um, medicines that can help with digestion or nausea, um, and we can also add on different acupuncture and herbal treatments that can help them. I often think of, I, I'm never going to cure cancer, or very rarely will that happen, but I do want to teach my patient's body to live with it. 
um, with the best quality of life possible. And that's often, you know, because they're great and they're strong and they're brave, they can do a lot and live with a lot more than um, sometimes we think with a great quality of life. And so it just depends on the patient themselves, the person, and kind of what the challenge is that's in front of them. So, Dr. Ennis, one of the concluding questions I have is how do you work with pets primary vet and other specialty veterinarians to foster communication and ultimately ensure that you're part of the care team? Sure. Um, So I would say that since I started practicing while working at um, large hospitals, small hospitals, and specialty hospitals, I've found that the best way to approach it is to communicate as much as possible. Whenever I see a patient, I always make sure that I have the records from their general um, primary care veterinarian and also the specialists that they have seen so that I'm on top of all the um, diagnostic tests that have been run and I know what treatments they're getting and kind of the story of what's been going on. Once I see a patient, then I will send um, all my notes and a letter to all the vets um, that are involved with that patient so that they know what I'm doing and there's no um, no misunderstandings or no um, mystery to anything that I'm doing. Um, I also follow up with regular updates as well because a lot of times we'll change some of our herbal remedies as we go along or we'll change our treatments. I find that this is really helpful when it comes to medicine and it's the safest way to practice. Um, I also think that it really helps the people in the pet's life feel better when everyone on the team is talking um, and everyone understands what um, everyone else's goal and aim and and what their treatments are. Um, It often is the hardest thing when when people feel like they don't have the support of everyone. And so I work as hard as I can to be a a liaison if I need to be um, or just a good communicator to make sure that nothing is missed. That's awesome because I think oftentimes pet owners feel guilty as they seek out other practitioners and types of medicine, et cetera. And when the professional provider takes on that role, it dispels anxiety for the pet owner as well. And as you said, knowing that everybody's on the same page, they don't need to communicate that information between providers or conversely feels if they need to hide something. Yes, absolutely. And I think the other thing, and this is true for people medicine too, we always want to make sure that all the providers know what medicines the patient is on. So it's not helpful if we leave out herbal medicines or vitamins and things like that, because those could affect the other medicines the pet is taking. Um, So it's really important and safe to let people know. And I think that, um, you know, doesn't have to be any judgment or anything like that, just good communication. Thank you, Dr. Innes. As we're wrapping it up here, can you share with us your favorite success story? Maybe a patient that responded well that you didn't think necessarily would respond well? Or um, just tell us your favorite, your favorite success story. We love success stories. Whew, that's a hard one. Um, as Chris knows, every patient is my, one of my favorite patients. So. Um, I guess the I guess it would be my own dog um when I was starting my training um her name was Bella she was a pit bull mix um 
and she developed cancer in her stomach and was looking really rough. And um, she, we put her on some conventional chemotherapy and we, and I did a bunch of acupuncture and I started some herbal medicines and she got better and she did really great um, and kicked that cancer's butt. So that was awesome. Um, she was an incredibly anxious and um, could be mentally ill at times dog. And so she taught me to choose the wisest treatments for um, her as a patient. For instance, I decided that I would use whatever treatment I could use as long as it could be at home. Um, and that was okay because she was terrified by um, hospitals. So she was a good teacher in that she had this big problem. I had all these options and I had to choose what was best just for her. And that would have been different than my other dog at the time who could have traveled better. Um, the fact that she beat cancer was awesome. Um, but the fact that she taught me those lessons, I think helps me treat a lot of other patients better. Absolutely. In conclusion, I would like to sum up again that holistic medicine takes into account the whole being, including the social, mental, and emotional factors, that you're not just targeting the disease or targeting the broken part, that the whole is actually much greater than the sum of its parts. And that's what you do a spectacular job of embracing, Dr. Ennis. I'd like to thank you for taking your time out of your busy schedule to speak with us today and enlighten a lot of people about holistic medicine. So finally, where can people find you? Ah, yes. Um, they can find me and my team. I'm in Arlington, Massachusetts. Our, uh, my clinic name is Sleepy Dog Veterinary. And um, our website is www.sleepydog.vet. V-E-T. Very good. And I know because you have such a great thriving practice that folks are often looking several weeks out before they can get in to see you. But it's well worth the wait. Thank you, guys. Thank you, doctor. Thank you for joining us. We hope you enjoyed our show. Follow us on Facebook or on Instagram at Petability Podcast. For more information about Kathy's books and living with blind dogs, please go to EnableYourPet.com. Thank you, and please tune in next time.